Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in the Twin Cities, it's time for Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Radio. Now, here's your host. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, this is going to be a good one today. I'm, I've been looking forward to welcoming Jamie Tates on the, on the show. Jamie is the CEO and founder of Keystone Group International. Jamie, welcome. Thanks for having me, John. Hey, it's a pleasure. Let's talk about how you're, uh, maybe introduce yourself to uh, our listeners and uh, talk about how you're serving the market out there. Yeah, so we're a boutique management consulting firm in Minneapolis. We actually work regionally and we work nationally as well. Um, And we're focused on how we describe it as kind of the three legs of the stool for a healthy growing business. We help organizations ensure their business strategy is strong and takes advantage of the opportunities in the marketplace. And we also help them ensure their leadership and their people are ready to support that strategy and that their culture is strong enough to really support the change in the growth that they're looking for. So we look at the world in kind of those three legs of the stool, your business strategy, your people, and your culture, and help organizations maximize all three uh, because we just believe, especially going forward in this business climate, all three are very important. That makes sense. Uh, You mentioned climate, business climate. Let's talk about I guess the big picture of the business climate we're in right now and how you're seeing, I guess those trends affect your client, the clients that you work with uh, here in recent years. Yeah. And we started to see this change happen even before the pandemic. And we feel like the pandemic just kind of threw gas on the flame and accelerated it um, a little bit. Some of the things you're seeing, and, and they're being talked about a lot now, we've been talking to clients about them for a year and a half around kind of the employee requirements, right? What people have gone through in the last couple of years, they're reevaluating a lot of things in their life and they're reevaluating what it means to be an employee, what they're looking for. Um, from an employer and somebody they want to be attached to, right, and want to be giving a lot of their time to. And so that's probably one of the biggest changes that we're seeing is is businesses are having to adapt. And and we're helping and, and talking to them about adapting to something we call conscious leadership. And it's really just a shift in training your leaders, making sure your leaders have high degrees of emotional intelligence and can really support their people not just delivering the product or service, but as whole people. And, and that's what a lot of employees are looking for right now. They're looking for their employer to care about them, right? To care, love, and respect them. Uh, and so that is showing up in a lot of different ways in businesses right now. You're seeing culture become a competitive advantage for, for businesses that maybe already were strong in this area and they're, they're gained strength. And it's starting to show up on the customer side now, too. So it's kind of this trickle-down effect, right? We've heard it for years. Happy employees equals happy customers. Mm -hmm. And we've always talked about it, but I don't think companies really knew what that meant. And so now we're seeing when those employees are fully like the whole self and bringing their whole selves, their strengths and everything to work, we're seeing cultures really lift. And we're starting to see customers that are actually commenting from the outside, saying we can feel a difference, right? And how that company operates. Um, they're wanting to do more business with companies like that that feel really strong and have those um, those strong employee groups. So that's probably the biggest thing that we're seeing, but it's really going all the way from employee experience to customer experience. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that makes sense. But but I want to dig into though this this notion of conscious leadership. Um I can imagine there are a lot of folks out there that think they're awfully conscious in <laughs> in their leadership, but uh, maybe they don't know what that means and maybe I don't know what that means. So help me out with that one. Yeah. So leadership is it's a loose term, right? And, and when we define leadership, I'm not just talking about people who have employees, right? Or direct reports. We're talking about just leaders in an organization that are trying to drive growth and change. Um, when we talk about conscious leadership, it's about how we do that, right? How do we show up every day? There's, there's a concept that we train on called positive intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the next view of IQ, right? Which is kind of your, your intellectual intelligence. You have emotional intelligence, your EQ. Um, and now we're seeing positive intelligence be something that's really catching on. And we're doing a lot of work with leaders on this. And it's more around how you show up right? How you bring your energy to everything you do. And whether that's at business, in the business, in your community, in your family, it really crosses over. But conscious leadership is choosing an approach to love, care, and respect. So those are the words that we use when we're training leaders is love, care, and respect for your people, right? Really care about the people, not just the work effort, right? The results that we're trying to achieve, investing in people, creating a better sense of belonging, which is ultimately what's creating resiliency. So the businesses we are seeing that are strongest right now did a lot of really good work during the pandemic to create resiliency in their teams, meaning we've got this, right? It's tough right now, but but we're in this together kind of as a team and they've come out of it really, really strong. And so that's the biggest thing is making sure that our leaders are able to create a psychologically safe environment, right? That they can be emotional, And they can bring that and understand that people are dealing with a lot. We all are, right? As leaders, there's a lot of burnout going on right now. Um, And so conscious leadership is just kind of going a step deeper, right? Non-transactional. We're not just coming in and trying to meet goals and KPIs um, and growth targets, right? We're really focused on how do we do this sustainably and how do we do this in a way that really we're building the team up and creating a stronger core as we go forward. So we define culture, a positive culture, as a place where people leave every day better than when they came in. Mm. So we don't overcomplicate it, right? We're not trying to make it this theoretical, really tough definition. A positive culture is someplace where everyone shows up and wants to work effectively with everyone else to lift everybody up, right? To fill their bucket. And unfortunately, there's a lot of cultures that can't say that they do that. And that's what we want leaders to focus on is, is, is can we answer that question? That, that Yes, that we do that. So, Jamie, you mentioned the key here is uh, to love, care, respect your, your employees, those in your care um, as a leader. I can see how some folks out there are thinking, okay, I, I get I get the respect part and yeah, I, I care about my employees. Love's getting a little much for me. <laughs> uh, you know, particularly when I've got KPIs, I've got really do have to meet for the, the people I report to above me. So talk, how do you talk through that piece of it with a, a leader client that you work with? Well, 
where I would start is, is we are really needing to adjust our idea, right, of what it looks like to be a leader in an organization. Mm-hmm. Because leaders, and it's not just in an organization, I want you to think about in your community, right? Let's say you're a soccer coach, right? What we see with leaders is they can be really strong there and truly care about the kids, right? The, the future and what skills they're building and, and really wanting to help them. And then they come into the office And they're just focused on winning the game, but they would never do that as a soccer coach, right? Of young kids that are trying to develop and aren't perfect and have flaws and need to learn and grow. And so we're trying to create that parallel between what a leader really is in the future in now today and going forward is a coach. You are there to motivate, to understand their strengths, right? Think about going out for a soccer team. My goal as a coach is to figure out what position you are going to be best at, right? Where it's going to maximize your strengths, which is then going to help the team. And and we're trying to help leaders understand the exact same approach needs to happen in organizations. Do we have the right people? Are we helping them maximize their strengths, which actually helps retain them because they feel like they're growing? Right. And are we caring about them when they make a mistake, when they fall, when they do something wrong? Right. Are we chastising them or are we saying, okay, here, now let's learn from this. And here's what you need to do differently next time, just like we would as a coach on the soccer team. And so it's bringing some of those coaching. We we talk about leader as coach is one of the biggest kind of new skills that leaders need to, to learn. And part of that is you have to love the players and you have to love the game. That's where love really comes in. And I know that's a tough word in a lot of corporate environments, Yeah. but what it comes down to is it's passion for doing those things. And what we've seen over the last year, and maybe some leaders who are listening are experiencing this is if you don't like that part of leadership, you should not be leading other people. There is a great seat on the bus in your organization that where you can be really smart, right? And you can do great things and hit KPIs, But if you don't want to coach and guide and grow people, leadership's not the role you should be in. And so that's the tough conversation we're having with a lot of clients and a lot of leaders right now, Mm. um, because it's the right thing for the organization long term. Well, and it's the right thing for that leader, right? I mean, (laughs) they're probably down deep, not real happy in their current position if they can't get that equation right. Right. We see it all the time. In fact, I just had this conversation last week. Mm. Your best salesperson, what do you do with them? You make them your sales manager. Sure. Your best salesperson likely is a crappy leader. No offense to them. They like being independent, right? Salespeople, if they're really, really good at their job, they're typically not good at the other side, right? That leadership piece. But we give them that title because that's how we give them growth. And what it does is it actually is a detriment to the organization, to the people that report to them. And like you said, to that sales leader themselves, because they don't love that part of their job. So they just keep doing what they're doing and they don't care for the people, right? They don't grow and mentor and coach the people. And then we get years down the road and we're wondering why our sales team isn't hitting its goals. It's because we don't have the right leader at the top. There's a lesson in this. It strikes me, uh, Jamie, as you talk. Uh, about how we promote our leaders up the up the chain, right? And how how we look at and evaluate our our folks, and and what uh, really constitutes grounds for promoting people to positions of leadership. 
Yeah. And that's, that's a fundamental shift we are making with our clients. We're helping Mm -hmm. them make. And the idea is, is that in any organization, right? HR professionals will create what you call career paths, right? So I start here and then I get this much experience and I kind of climb the ladder, right? You keep going up to whatever that next title is, whatever that next level is. What organizations haven't done a good job of is creating two paths that are equal in importance. They create a management path and they create a really strong individual contributor path, which what that really means is you don't have direct reports. So let's take an engineer, right? That's really strong in our organization and we want to keep them and they want to keep growing. What do we do? We put them on the management path because it's the only path up in the organization, even if they're not a good leader, right? Because that's the only way we get them promotions. What we suggest is creating two paths that are side by side, where let's say a principal engineer in your organization, a really high level experienced, knows our business, has been around a long time, can be at the executive leadership table without a single direct report Mm. because their voice matters, right? And they're a great contributor to the organization, but we don't have to give them people and have give them direct reports just to have them be at that level of the organization. So it's breaking some of those traditional ladders that we think about in creating other ways for people to progress in terms of kind of title, right? In terms of respect in the organization, and in terms of their experience. And so it's a, it's a very different approach. Um, I just read something a couple of weeks ago that you'll find interesting is they're now doing, so it, I don't know if everybody realizes, but we have four generations in the workforce. This is the first time this has ever happened, right? So you've got boomers all the way down to, to Gen Zs who are 23, 24, kind of right in that where they're on the cusp of millennials and Gen Zs. Mm-hmm. And what they're starting to see in the studies that they do is that Gen Zs, they believe, are going to leapfrog the millennial generation for leadership roles. They have stronger leadership capabilities in that generation. So sorry to the millennials that are listening, um, but they have stronger leadership qualities. They're, They're much stronger in that. And they're believing that if companies do the right thing, those people will be in leadership positions at a younger age because of the qualities that they have. That's going to be a hard thing for a lot of companies to have someone that's maybe half your age that you report to, right? But they might have better leadership qualities than someone else. Okay. And and that's going to be a huge step for organizations. Okay. I can't imagine that there aren't some folks that have dropped their coffee cup at this point. (laughs) 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 Listening to this. So while they clean up, uh, uh, what are those qualities that, that in, in the Gen Z generation and, and folks, I mean, we're making wide generalizations here, but, but there's some basis to this. What are the, the, the traits and qualities that you see in Gen Z that make them better leaders? So we are seeing a higher degree of emotional intelligence in this generation than any previous generation. Um, They are also very conscious. So back to the positive intelligence that I talked about, they're very aware at how they show up, Mm. right? They truly care. So what, what this generation sees, and this is another shift for a lot of organizations is they have what we call a benefit mindset. So you've got a fixed mindset. What that really means is I have what I have and we can only do what we can do, right? I can't, it's kind of that idea that I can only grow so much and and we can only do so much as an organization. It's very fixed. Mm. 
I would say the the millennial generation brought us that growth mindset, like, but what if, right? Let's think differently about things and really challenge. And that's kind of where we've been the last 10 to 15 years is kind of on the cusp of like, maybe there's a better way to do this. We're not really sure. And we're still kind of holding on to the old way, but it's that growth mindset. Now we're seeing a shift to what we call a benefit mindset. And what this means is we have a generation of leaders coming in that are more conscious capitalists, right? If anybody's heard that term, they believe that shareholders can win, employees can win, and the business can win all at the same time, right? And then communities and socially, you know, our communities and our philanthropic efforts, all of those can win. And so they're bringing that benefit mindset into the organization, and that's drawing people to them. That, that's really what's going to be the draw is people are going to want to work for them because of how they look at the world. They have much less skepticism than the boomers and the Gen Xers do. I mean, we're, we're curmudgeons sometimes, right? We've been through a lot and there's reasons why we look at the world glass half empty. Mm-hmm. What this generation does is looks at it half full and they see opportunities to maximize in a different way than we've seen, whether that's through process improvements, through technology, right? They're seeing things we don't see. And the reason that they're going to be able to lead is because they're going to be able to motivate people to get the results. And, and it's going to be, it's going to be a hard thing for a lot of us, but I mean, I see even in my own team, I'm the oldest person on my team and I, they could run circles around me in some areas, right? And this leadership stuff and the way they're thinking and how they're helping us progress even. Mm. And so I think the biggest piece here is not that the people that spilled their coffee, right? Like it's a little <laughs> bit of shock. It's a little bit of chain, yeah. mm-hmm. but we have to keep an open mind and we've got to figure out how to harness these strengths that they bring to the table because this generation really does bring a different set of strengths. Lots to think about folks here from uh, Jamie Tates and Jamie is with Keystone Group International. She's the CEO and founder there. Um, so let's get over to to culture you 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 mentioned that earlier and you you acknowledge that this is something that's pretty uh nebulous for a lot of folks how how do you talk about culture and how do you help i guess make that less ambiguous for people yeah so in 2018 i created a culture model that we call the culture strategy intersect out of sheer frustration Um, We were working and doing amazing things with a lot of our clients around business strategy, growth and opportunities and just thinking differently and really innovation. And what we continue to see is they would say, yeah, I know culture is a big piece of this, but it's this nebulous thing and you can't really touch and feel it. And right, they they were able to make all these excuses as to why they weren't focusing on that to balance it out. And so I just, out of frustration, said, okay, I'm going to, we're going to talk about culture differently so that you can't make an excuse, right? That it's too hard or it's too nebulous. And we created this model to really create factors. So we have 20 factors in our culture model, all of which make up your culture. And now when we, and you can find this on our website, we'll give that information later for free. Mm -hmm. We give the model away. Um, It's to 
help business leaders understand like, oh, I, I understand each of those factors. We know how we can actually impact those and we know how we can measure the impact and the improvement. So we're trying to break it down to the lowest common denominator instead of trying to theoretically talk about this culture, right? This thing that nobody really understands. We want to break it down into factors that people can understand, right? And as I said earlier, you know, we also try to simplify the definition of culture is that it's just a place where people leave every day better than when they came in. That can be something big that happened. It could be as small as the interactions they have with each of the other members of the team. It could be a growth opportunity that they're given. It can be maybe a great coaching or mentoring conversation that they had, right? It doesn't have to be these monumentous things, um, but we've got to focus on it. And, And what we tell leaders when we bring leaders in, because we strongly believe that culture is the leader's choice. Each leader in an organization has a job to do on their own, the own culture of the people around them, of their own team. And they have to make a choice that they want to be a leader that promotes a positive culture. Because that's the only way that a culture is going to move forward, right? And so helping each leader understand their role then ultimately feeds the broader culture of the organization. But we've got to start with the leaders first. And that's the theme you're going to hear in everything that we talk about is at the foundation, it's the leadership skills. Are our leaders prepared to be conscious leaders? Are they prepared to be culture leaders and to really drive those conversations? And if they're not, as a business, it's our job to prepare them, right? To not just be frustrated when they're not there. And, and that's what a lot of, that's where the growth in our business is coming from right now is companies are finally realizing that it is time to invest in their leaders mm. in order to grow their businesses. So, Jamie, I mean, one of the things I know you work with leaders on is burnout, stress. We know that, um, those characteristics are uh, unfortunately they're uh, uh, have been skyrocketing here over the last couple of years. What kind of advice do you give to business leaders that have burnout in in not just their teams but in themselves? Yeah, well, I wrote a whole book on this and it released in August. So <laughs> if people want some help, it's called "You Are Here." We can talk about that at the end. But I wrote it because. It's a real thing. So I want to give a little bit of science to to what's happening to explain this, because when I share this with leaders, I think it helps normalize it a little bit and explain what's going on. So when the pandemic happened, um, our bodies are wired for something they call surge capacity. It's both mental and physical. It's thing. It's adrenaline, right? Or it's it's something that where your body can operate at a really high stress level for short periods of time, one to two weeks. Think about September 11th or a natural disaster, right? A tornado that comes through a town. People can do amazing things, right? They they can find the energy to get through for two, three weeks, maybe up to a month. And we call that surge capacity. What happened with the pandemic that they're now seeing, and I think there's going to be studies over the next 10 to 15 years that are going to show the, the lasting impacts of kind of what we're experiencing is that that surge capacity pegged out at the beginning of the pandemic, right? We were all home, very stressful. Business leaders didn't know what was going to happen to their businesses or their families, or there was just a lot going on. And we pegged out, but it's never fully gone away, 
right? We couldn't get away from it like we can from other things, right? It's at home. It's with our families. It's impacting our travel and our businesses. Like we can't get away from it. And so what they're now seeing is essentially the tanks are empty and they've never seen this before in history. And so that's why they're studying it is how do we replenish right, our tanks or, and, and put something back in, in the tanks so that we're not putting the gas all the way down on an empty tank. Hmm. And so that's where that burnout is coming from. And so what we're helping leaders and their teams with, because the leader is just as burnt out as their team. And then you're trying to lead other people, right? It's Mm -hmm. just like putting weight on their chest. And we're having them really dig into their basic human needs. And what I mean by that is get down to the basics, right? What are you actually dealing with? Is it you feel like there's, there's so much uncertainty? Well, let's figure out a way in the business to create some certainty for people. Even if it's not, it can't fix the stuff at home. It can't fix fix the pandemic and the news. We can still meet that basic human need as a business, right? For people. Um, Growth and significance is another basic human need that we all have. How can we tap in and provide opportunities within our businesses to allow, to provide that for people when the rest of the world cannot? Right. So we're talking through all of these things with leaders to help them coach their people on where do we where do we meet these basic human needs, maybe in a different way than we did before. And then the other pieces, and, and that's really what the book is about, is when we've hit a ceiling, sometimes we've just got to realize that we've just got to normalize the suck. It's just going to suck sometimes. And we we don't have to explain it away. We don't have to fix it immediately. But we've got to figure out what our focus and our forward action looks like. And we're having so many conversations with business leaders right now around this busyness. Like I feel burnt out and we're so busy and my brain just can't. And and what what we're helping them realize is the busyness is actually just your brain trying to process too many things and it doesn't know where to focus. Mm. So we're actually helping businesses go back to the daily huddles which sounds crazy to some people, but daily huddles with the team to say, what do we need to do to win today? What's the next thing that we need to do and allow people to focus because then their energy is put in the right direction versus it being very unfocused and busy across the board. So there's a lot of different things like that, but none of it's like crazy newfangled things, right? It's getting back to the basics a little bit. So I can imagine someone listening to this show and thinking, um, I'm, I'm with you on all this, Jamie, but I'm now overwhelmed, (laughs) uh, with some of the, uh, suggestions and topics and issues that I'm going to need to deal with. What, how, how do you start? I mean, what, what, what does the leader need to do to start digging into some of the issues that you've discussed? Yeah. So there's a couple of things for leaders. Um, first off, read the book, not selfless plug, but just like to help you normalize kind of where you're at, because it's, it's that idea of you have to put your own oxygen mask on first before you can help everyone else. Right. So you've got to get to a point where you understand your own basic human needs and what you're struggling with and, and a path forward. Right. How do you, how do you help yourself first? And then the other piece is, I want every leader listening to have a different conversation this week or this month with each of their employees, right? Ask them different questions. How are you doing? And when they say, oh, I'm fine, right? That that normal response, fine. Mm-hmm. No, how are you really doing? 
right? How is home? How are you feeling about work? Do you feel like you're using your strengths here every day and you have opportunities to grow? Open the dialogue, right? It's a human to human thing at that point. It's not that you're a leader and they're they're an employee. Like start asking different questions. And, and we have a whole training around this to help leaders because the science will tell us is, is as as Americans, for sure, we, we go through these casual greetings of like, oh, John, how are you? Oh, I'm great. Thanks. And you're not really asking them how they are. And they're not really telling you how they are. Right. And we've got to go beyond that in the workplace right now because people need their leaders to support them in everything that's going on. Right. What if my spouse just lost their job? Right. What if, you know, I'm worried about COVID and my child who has an I mean, Leaders can't fix that. But they certainly can be a place where people can come and feel safe to talk about all of the things that are impacting them, which ultimately might be impacting their work. So that's my one simple challenge. Don't overcomplicate this. Read the book and have a more in-depth conversation, more emotionally intelligent conversation with each one of your employees over the course of the coming weeks, and you will be shocked at what comes out of it. Now, while folks are waiting for the book to get uh, hit their mailbox, Jamie, you've got a podcast. So let's shout out what you're doing there. The Superpower Success Podcast. Talk about what you're doing with that show. Yeah, and it, it's really very tied to the book. It, the podcast came first. We've been doing it for three and a half years. Um, and it's really focused on helping leaders understand how to own their own journeys Right? So I bring business leaders on to tell the real journey, not the highlight reel of, of how they got to where they got to, the struggles, um, but also the wisdom that they found along the way. And so it's very inspirational. It's very much a, yep, I needed to hear that today kind of podcast. And I even find that in the people that I'm interviewing. And so that's the purpose of it. And then the book really just is a, a, the same approach, but more personalized on what can you do about it when you feel that way, when you feel stuck. Um, how do you get unstuck is kind of the focus of the book and, and the podcast both. So thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, for sure. And I would love it, uh, Jamie, if, as we, uh, wind down here, if you could share a success story, maybe a, a client you've worked with that uh, the results of which you're particularly proud of what's come out of that, all that. The last couple of months, there is one that sticks out and it it's simple, but we have a large general contractor, right? Construction firm that is a client and, and they've been growing even through the pandemic. They've done really well. And we've been working with them for a couple of years. And in their last strategy session, um, the head of field construction. So for those of you who don't know, this is the guy that wears the yellow vest into the sessions, right? He's the one that runs all of the foremen and the laborers and the people actually building the buildings. Um you know, I always, I joke with him. I love him rough around the edges, right? Like this touchy feely stuff. And, and, and so for years, we've been talking about like, how do you build this conscious leadership and the culture into the business strategy, right? It, it has to be part of it for us to be able to achieve what we want to achieve. And the last strategy session, he came in and sat down and we talk about expectations at the beginning of each strategy session. What do we need to get out of this? And he said, he turned to the whole team and said, if we do nothing else today, we have got to focus on the mental health of our people. We've got to keep our people strong and we've got to support them. And everyone in the room looked at me and looked at him and realized that we had made a shift. Mm. 
Mm. right? That he had made a fundamental shift in how he led his people and how he thought about his people, not just as employees and the person that's building that wall, but as a human, right? That has skills and has their own challenges. And for me, two years of me planting seeds, right? And helping them understand and maybe some points where he's rolling his eyes, right? At, at, <laughs> at positive intelligence or emotional intelligence, but he gets it. He now understands how important it is for him as a leader. And so if someone in his role can understand it, I truly, truly believe anyone can. So, so that's impactful to me. Wow. Great, uh, great story and uh, great work that you're doing. Uh, Jamie and and uh, I've got to get to the most important question, really, which is uh, if someone has heard something here that really uh, sp- creates a spark for them and they feel like they need to get in touch, how how can they connect with you? The easiest way is probably through LinkedIn, just to connect directly to me, um, Jamie Adam Tates. Uh, and also on our website. So Keystone group, com. you can send a contact us, you know, form there. It actually goes to me. Um, cause I want to kind of see who's coming through and asking questions on our website. Um, the book you can get at jamietates.com. So I have my own website for that. Um, but we, I have a team of people that believe what I believe and have the impact that I have. And we would love to have a conversation. If this is something that you personally as a leader are dealing with, if it's something your organization really needs help with, we want to just meet you where you're at and help you understand what might be possible and go from there. So I would love to connect with anybody who's interested in learning more. Jamie Tates, folks, uh, she's the founder and CEO of Keystone Group International. Wow, Jamie, this has been great. Lots of great stuff here. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for letting me be part of the conversation, John. Yeah, thank you. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder that if if you like this show and you uh, like the business leaders that we feature here on the show, uh, you can go, but maybe the fastest way to get to us is go to minnesotabusinessradio.com and you can find the entire archive of, of shows that we have here on Minneapolis St. Paul Business Radio. Uh, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to the show and if you'd like to be in touch with us directly um, and give us feedback. We're always uh, delighted to receive that. Uh, just email me directly, jray at businessradiox.com. For my guest, Jamie Tates, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Radio.